This is AV Week, episode number 11 for October 21st, 2011. Wham! UK. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of news and information for the AV industry. I'm your host, Tim Albright. With us this week is Rich Fergoza. He is from FergozaDesigns.com. Afternoon, Rich. Hey, good, uh, good afternoon. Good morning for me. Good to see. Good to uh, oh, yes, be with you guys. Good morning. Uh, and also with us, uh, once again, is Kevin Iselli. Kevin is the Senior Curriculum Developer for Crestron Electronics. Hello, Kevin. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, here recently, uh, CE Pro put out a uh, an article saying "Say goodbye to huge racks." It's written by Jason Nutt. It actually talks about their their CE Pro Live event coming up, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but Rich, they're talking about uh, getting rid of racks, or at least putting a lot of that stuff into the cloud. In addition to that, their main thing, and, and I think I've got this right. At least I think I'm reading this right. They're talking about the whole C, uh, SAS, SAAS, so the service as a as support-based uh, home automation. That's something that you've been talking about for quite a long time, about that's the future, at least for Resi guys, that's the future of where you guys need to be going. I think absolutely. That's something that um, at least uh, the Eskies should be considering. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, <laughs> And it still gives me a titter. Um, that... You know, with 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 the reduction in, in hardware profitability, you know, with displays and everything else, and you know, Apple TV is a streaming device, and you know, you've got Roku, and you've got, uh, you know, even iPads as as streaming uh, devices. They're not anything that a dealer can make profit on. And moving into software as a service is actually a revenue stream. You have to move from the hardware-based analogy into uh, you know, being a software developer. And the devices that are used, if they're cloud-based or uh, you know, if they're streaming devices, um, you know, you're, you're, you're less worried about maintaining that as a profit center. And uh, you know, I, I think that absolutely we're, seeing, we're just seeing we're at the, just the, the, the beginning part of the wave of how this is going to start turning out, especially in the next five years. So this is something where you sell you know, maintenance or you sell – take me through this because I'm, I'm not a resi guy. I'm not a, an installer. So take me through how this works. So you show up to client A and you say, yeah, we can sell you a display and we can sell you a, an automation system, but this is something else that we provide. Yeah, the, the, the traditional route, you know, say 10, 15 years ago was you had the big equipment room. And in every – location um you you could have the display and then a source device the dvd the vcr um the cd player cassette player <laughs> in 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 all of these rooms um and you had laser disc hey the the runco uh, the ljr1 the world's best uh uh, Laserdisc player on the planet that weighed 40 pounds I, I think they put like lead ingots in it just to weigh it down um but you know, you you had everything was hardware driven. There weren't any distribution systems, and if they were, they were either um, a you know using coax and you were modulating and you had a reduction in the signal, um, or you had an extremely expensive distribution system, which really wasn't working in Resi at the time. Fast forward to um, distribution systems over Cat five. That was the first chance to be able to consolidate everything, leave only a display and maybe a source that you need in the room, uh, and you could reduce the equipment clutter. Now we're fast-forwarding even further where all you need is the display. And you know some of the content, you know, whether it's an Internet-enabled TV or it's something that's coming through the network itself, you, know, you keep whittling down all of the parts that you need as we're moving away from physical media. So as you move away from physical media and these parts, you've got less things to sell yeah. at that point. So what you have to focus on and what we recommend is that you look at the backbone system, the, the, the deployment, handling the network inside and getting the audio and video distrib distributed throughout, and then basically being the technology concierge. You know, your job is to make sure 
that all of their devices that you haven't necessarily provided, but they're buying um, by the truckload, uh, you're providing the software solutions, whether it's the monitoring, whether it's the management, more importantly, the control system element of it, where you can have an integrated solution. And, and we're seeing some uh, companies that are sprouting out of it. You know, Claire Controls is an example. Um, Ihiji is coming out with a monitoring solution. You've got uh, uh, cybernetic solutions who basically provide a visual GUI of the health of your electronics in your house, a visual representation of, you know, this access point is up, your Apple TV is in good condition, your internet-enabled Samsung is looking good. Uh, and these are the, uh, you know, the, the companies that are saying, hey, look, you know, we have to see and, and acknowledge where the market is going. Yes, you're still going to have the home theater. Um, yes, you're still going to have these media rooms, but the way that they're constructed is rapidly changing. And going back to the software as a service, uh, the way that you can provide this is you come in and, and just like an app um, or a, a licensing fee or a, a, a contract where, hey, you know, version one of your software is available today. You can load it on your iPad, your iPhone, and your Android device. Here you go. A couple of months later, version 1.5 is available or 2.0. And rather than replacing a $5,000 touch panel or a $1,500 remote, you're just updating the device that they already own. Or if they upgrade to the iPad 7, your software still remains current and you can use that as a recurring revenue charge. And so that's been what I've been promoting, which is that uh, you know hardware is almost instantly obsolete the minute you buy it. Software, you've got a little bit more flexibility to upgrade and stay with your client and, and keep present with them. Okay. Now, now Kevin, uh, you guys have, obviously you, you have the DM system, which is, which is a backbone. Which yes. is where you guys take, you know, a a, a a disparate version variety of of devices, and take them all and and de deploy them wherever. Um, is this whole you know cloud computing and, and streaming and stuff like that something where you guys and, and other manufacturers that do similar things, where you guys can move to, or is, or is this you know? I don't know. I'm gonna say out of your realm because you know the engineers are, are much smarter than I will ever be, um, and so I'm sure they'll figure something out eventually. But is this something where you guys are currently, yay, cool, you know, we can do this, or is this something where you're, where you're gonna have to move to the cloud, or is the cloud too unstable maybe for control systems? Well, it's not that the cloud is unstable for control systems. It's it's a matter of part part of the um, topology of DM as we distribute Ethernet. Right. So now as a infrastructure guide, you, you have the ability of get, let's say, getting the cloud to those display devices as well. Right. So it's not just, um, you know, using DM is to distribute your audio video signals from a centralized location, mm -hmm. but making that single tie at the DM uh, distribution system, let's call it, uh, now gives you the opportunity to make an Ethernet connection there and to that display that's, you know, in another room or somewhere else that has a DM uh, connection point, you also have access to Ethernet. So if that display does have, uh, you know, a lot of these applications built right into the displays where you can do your Netflix, Hulu, whatever, it's the same thing as now you're running your data infrastructure uh, right through your AV distribution system. So it's not something that we are shying away from. Yeah. We've blended the topology to embrace it. Yeah. So... Although when you go to software based, I think uh, Mr. Felstein a number of years ago at Infocom made a really interesting statement that uh, had a, a little bit of, I don't want to say um, backlash uh, or people um, not appreciating the statement, but he was kind of saying, you know, imagine all media going away and, and everything is going to be, you know, obtainable through Internet and through Ethernet and uh, this was, I believe, if memory serves me correct, this was back in 2006 he made this proclamation. Uh, and people said, oh, it's not possible. No one's going to do it. And, and then the following year, I think we saw things like Voodoo and the Roku and, and all of these other uh, boxes that do exactly streaming. what he said. Yeah, Netflix. Well, not only that, then Crestron released the ADMS. With, yeah, you and know, that was... You know, with the world search at that point. Go figure. Right, and and Rich, <laughs> we went exactly where I was going. We, we had a product that we were developing 
that literally was like, let's say, the epitome of, yeah, that's exactly what he was talking about. The ability for this intermediate distribution system, we created the ADMS, to not only, you know, play your Blu-ray content or uh, stored audio or stored video content, but also now it has that Ethernet connection, and we created something called World Search, where you type in what you're looking for, it finds it anywhere. So it became more of like a limitless uh, connection into media. Unfortunately, um, I believe Mr. Felstein was 100% correct when he said Ethernet's not the way to do it. Uh, it, it there is limitations. Uh, the infrastructure, if you will, uh, of Ethernet needs an overhaul. Uh, not that it's a bad infrastructure. It just needs well, to be updated. Are, are we talking about IPv4 or IPv6 or just Ethernet in general, the, the hardware part? Well, let's say part. Ethernet in general. I mean, the wiring part, it's not, it's not so much the wiring part. It, it's the, you know, CMS, ACD protocols. It's how the whole, you know, Ethernet topology works. Uh, well, let's think of it this way, Tim. Unfortunately, I don't think Rich was on the call last time. We talked about we have sacrificed convenience and quality. Uh, just, I'm sorry, we have sacrificed quality for convenience, can you get 1080p streaming video off of Ethernet? Uh, no. <laughs> well, uh, but but that YouTube video looks really good, uh, and I'll I'll watch that. Right. Well, no, it and, doesn't and, look good. It it it's entertaining and, it's and it entertaining. serves a purpose. Correct. It's consumable. Yes. At yes. That point. And and again, the the difference though to, to to consider is that you know you have these two camps, and you have the push for the highest quality video and, and audio that we can get. Well, technically, you should be putting your off-air antenna up at 50-foot mass and getting, you know, the direct signal from your local TV station. But how many sure. people are going to do that? You know, yeah. so there, there is that fine line of, and, and again, I, I, I love music. I love film. I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, it's what I love to enjoy mm -hmm. at the highest possible level. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if my one-year-old absolutely wants to see something right now, the convenience is going to trump it. And the way that most people's lives are led, and especially the clients that we deal with, they have X amount of time to be able to watch or listen to something. And although it's nice for them to be able to get it in the highest possible quality, more often than not, they're saying, I just want it when I want it. And the rest of it, I can live with it. And, and on our side and from the education side to say, look, it can get better. It's, it's a, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have sometimes because, you know, we are promoting, you know, here's what you can have, but at the same time, we have to be realistic about what people want. And I, I think that is where we, we, we re reach a crossroads more often than not. And like you were saying, the, the elimination of media, you know, how many people have said, you know, well, I only use CDs or I only, you know, record in lossless format, or, you know, I only have to absolutely have it in Blu-ray. But at the same time, most of the clients that we deal with, although they can appreciate it, it really doesn't matter to them. You know, if it, if it comes bundled in the, the, the DVD pack they buy, great. If not, if they can get it on Netflix or, you know, Vudu or Hulu Plus or, you know, any of those others, it, it worked. Oh, sure. And yeah. I mean, it even pushed further into the convenience of what we've settled for. But agreeing with what you said, Rich, but I, I thought something you did say was fascinating. Like, I want it because I want it, or I want it now, and I have so little time. We've actually progressed that into when you're buying a car, you got to make sure you have that entertainment system in there, right, to uh -huh. entertain the kids. I, I, I'm i really good at iSpy, and, uh, um, you know, name that uh, name that state's license and, plate, yeah, license those plate are the game. games we have. My, my one-year-old and my seven-year-old have their own iPad. Oh, their... Rich, no. <laughs> Uh oh, <laughs> they have their own physical devices because at that point it just you know on a plane trip um, or traveling around you know it it is uh, it's amazing you know how we're leveraging technology for families. I'm so uh, not letting my kids play with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's walking. Oh well, the funniest thing I, I think I talked about it before is that my uh, my son walked up to my my mother's laptop and he kept trying to swipe at her screen and he was angry that it wasn't responding. Oh, uh, yeah, so he's already gesture based uh, at, at this point. It's it's we've got it. We've indoctrinated a new generation of uh, gesture based uh, children at this yeah. point. I think that is the social equivalent of they get to stay out till midnight. Why can't I? <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> 
this this whole conversation started from from CE Pro. Um, our, our good friend Julie Jacobson, her her gang is putting together a uh, a virtual trade show, and, and I kind of pressed her on this a couple weeks ago about what that means. It actually is kind of cool for for people who don't have the time or the budget to to go around. Uh, it's next Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this. It's Thursday, October twenty seventh. How about that? Um, it's at ceprolive.com. It is a virtual trade show. That means you're sitting at your computer. You're going through virtual booths. You're listening to virtual keynotes. And I think there's actually some kind of interactivity with some of the discussions. So um, I believe they've already started recording some of the uh, webinar yes. information. Well, and that's where this article came from. Um, this article came yeah. from one of the talks that they've already recorded, which was uh, eight megatrends and how they will affect your business. So that's the, the keynote, and that's where, where this whole SAAS uh, article came from, from CE Pro, so, um, from Jason. So yeah. uh, check that so out just, if you're interested. Yes. Yeah. I was about to say is that with C Pro and Julia, I mean, she's fantastic. And and again, it's a great opportunity to get introduced to some of these companies that I was speaking about, um, who are obviously on the on this new wave. And uh, you know, I think it's something integrators should definitely focus on. Uh, you know, at least listening to and, mm. and, and expanding their awareness and opening it up as a revenue stream for them. And again, it doesn't cost you anything. You you get online um, exactly at ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, Eastern Time. So, um, next story comes to us from System Contractor News, uh, but you probably could have just checked it out from Polycom's uh, news release. I'm going to butcher this name. Vivu or Vivu uh, has been bought by. Vivu. It, you Vivu. can accent it. it. It's got two umlauts on it. <laughs> I, so Vivu has been bought by Polycom. Uh, basically, what I, what I gathered from this, um, they are. A, a software uh, that well, they're a video software company. They're, they do a lot of HD web-based stuff. My question to you guys, uh, and, and we'll start with you, Kevin. Do you think this is Polycom's four-way foray into web-based video conferencing, kind of like what Life Size has got going? Uh, I'm not aware of anything that Cisco has, Cisco slash Tanberg, um, but is this kind of their their foot in the water in this, or they're just they're just grabbing the software? I think they would grab the software just for that very reason. I mean, I, with with my access to education and the folks that I was talking to, you being one of them, uh, I've seen a tremendous amount of life size um, go into the field. Let's call it uh, based on you know the convenience of the application, the 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 uh, steadiness of the appliance itself, even, and the fact that it, it's definitely fitting a need that uh, is as very you know attractive price point. Um, it could also be, you know, to not put up too fine a point on it, it could also be the, all right, let's get rid of our competition before they get, you know, foothold, (laughs) Uh, which I'm not saying that's what it is. But, yeah, you always have a way in business to expand or to um, integrate into the market, right? Um, You can purchase uh, technology or buy out technology or you can create it, right? So maybe this is just their application of saying, you know what? We're not going to develop software for it, but these guys did. Let's try and get a hold of it. So it's more of a of a of a brain trust grab. Sure, like let's expand our marketability. I mean, Polycom's everywhere. They make a great product. Now it's just a matter of now we've got this product and we've got a web based uh, application for it as well, or web web based uh, appliance. Rich, is this something that you deal with at all with with in the residential world? Is Polycom or any kind of video conferencing? Uh, I, I have, but uh, typically in education and in, in boardroom work. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, it was interesting is that uh, last month on September 14th, they actually issued, Polycom issued a press release where they were unveiling their software strategy to drive the global adoption of HD video. So they already had this in the works. Um, and, you know, and Polycom is, you know, when you think of Polycom, you think about hardware. You know, you think about their systems. And four times in their press release, in one paragraph, they fixated on the phrase web-based. They are absolutely pushing the fact that, you know, Polycom and Skype, sure, you can do it. You know, that's to me reading between the lines where I saw it, which was uh, more and more people are, are looking for social applications. You know, and they talk about it, social applications, social applications. 
and mobile. Well, what do they mean? They want people to be able to video conference on their mobile devices. And if they can provide the ecosystem, which they already own, you know, a lion's share of that ecosystem, again, you know, we're, we're going to knock out the competition before they can even come in the door. Yeah. And, well, and and purchasing a company like Vivu or Vivu or <laughs> Vivu. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore because they purchased them. Because so. they're now, yeah, Vivu by Polycom. Yeah, um, Polycom. Well, let me ask to, to that point. Is this is this where – at Infocom this year I saw something really cool that I had not seen to this date, uh, which was Skype integration with LifeSize. Um, like I said, Cisco hadn't had it and, and, and Polycom hadn't had it at that point. Is this kind of where we're going with with a video conferencing system where you're not going to spend $50,000 anymore for a, um, a matrix and a, and a bridge and, and bring everybody together and everybody has to have some kind of codex sitting in their boardroom, this, that, and the other, where we can have you know this person and that person and this person sitting on Skype and, yeah, you, you, you buy a five or $10,000 bridge to bring everybody together, but that's kind of the backbone, whether it's Skype or some sort of other web-based video conferencing. I've got a perfect story for that. It happened uh, last month. I got called in to meet with um, a private equity firm, and uh, they had a boardroom, and they had a Samsung 65-inch TV with Skype integrated into it. And the first question was, um, we have companies who are basically in third world countries who we're trying to expand into, who don't necessarily, you know, we haven't funded them to invest in the hardware backbones for an integrated point-to-point video conferencing solution. Can we use some of these available software products to do it? And that hit me where this is where they're going. These are companies who would have no problem budgeting for those connections in their boardroom but it's more a matter of and the purpose of the, the video conferencing and, and the remote connection is it's the who's on the other side of the line. Yeah. You know, you're not necessarily in the continental U.S. You know, if you are in Latin America or if you are in parts of Asia or, or parts of, you know, the African subcontinent, you know, where you don't necessarily we're a bit spoiled. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're only concentrating on what we have here. But in terms of the international appeal um, to be able to actually bring your offices together simply through a software backbone. I think it's absolutely huge. Where, where, and again, you know, Skype is now part of Microsoft. You know, you, well, you've got to figure. That's where I'm kind of going with this. Is okay. Skype's a part of Microsoft. Where the heck is Cisco in all this? Because my impression, and this is my impression, is that Cisco and, and, and Microsoft are kind of at the same dinner table together. So here's Polycom over here integrating all this stuff, and Cisco is just kind of twiddling their thumbs. That's kind of the complaint about Cisco right now is they, they almost seem rudderless. It almost seems like they're missing the boat on this. I mean, they bought a video camera company just for giggles, and then the next year went, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> well, Never okay. mind. You know, all the engineers, um, you know, one of my neighbors, you know, I'm in the Silicon Valley, so, uh, you know, I know several people who work for Cisco. My next-door neighbor is an engineer for them for one of the 500 different divisions. And, you know, he was telling me about the, the, the fears of the layoff stories that are occurring. You know, Cisco has diluted who they are at this point. You know, before it used to be Cisco is the network. You knew that. That was it. Yeah. You know, in, in that sentence, you knew who Cisco was. Now Cisco is the video conferencing flip video slash, you know, you can buy a router in Walmart uh, company. I mean, Let's it's just, Cisco. you know, the, who they are, you know, has has pushed away from their core message, I think. And I think that's exactly what's happened is everybody's filling in that gap. They, nobody's afraid of Cisco anymore, you know, is what I really feel. Like. Well, see, I, I'm afraid of Cisco because of, of what they're doing to different companies. I think I made this statement uh, a few months ago, where you know Cisco is going to is going to you know totally. Uh, who did they go into into partnership with? Control Four. They went into partnership yes. with Control Four, and I still hold to this. You watch by Infocom next year, and I think that's the that's the bet I made uh, with with George and Michael. That sounds kind of funny, George Michael. Um, <laughs> that Cisco is going to end up owning <laughs> Control Four. AV Nation, the Wham UK version. The, oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wake, me, Wake up. me up. Oh! <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little bit sick now. <laughs> okay, Kevin, am, am I crazy in this? Or is this just something that Cisco does and nobody else is realizing it because I'm that smart? 
<laughs> no, I wouldn't say that because I, I mean, you, that you would imply that I'm not smart. Or that he's not saying it. I, 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 you kind of lost me in that one. Well, it's it's a matter of you know you form a partnership to show an alliance to help boost your sales. I mean, you could go as far as to say get you know, okay, yeah, they're doing stuff with uh, Control Four. Cisco's doing control with Control Four. Yeah, uh, and that's fine. Uh, do you do you view a purchase? I. I'm not saying I don't see it, but yeah, that that's a possibility because, um, not because Control Four is a competitor of ours, but they're a, and this is not bashing Control Four. Please understand, they're a small enough company that they could be picked up for a smaller amount. Um, but when you turn around and you look at what Cisco is doing with Control Four as a partnership, I haven't seen anything really substantial because at the same time, anything that goes out as their what do they call it? Uh, what do they brand their telepresence? Right? Anything well, Cisco telepresence is Crestron yeah. operated, right? So yeah. they're using us for their control systems on all of, uh, not only all of Cisco's offices use Crestron control systems, but even their telepresence products use our products in them as well. Uh, so market-wise, you're trying to cover just more bases and and get things taken care of and let's say the entry level market or cuz right now that makes sense to Cisco because you go to Best Buy uh you can go in the Magnolia Home Theater area and pick up your Control 4 system and then you can walk down the the um let's say the uh not the uh, AV aisle but the computer aisle and pick up your Cisco/Linksys routers and and wireless access points right so it, it's it's about distribution that's where they're going and it's been done. I mean, it was done in residential in, what, 2006, I think. Remember, Microsoft and HP um, had banded together with a company called Lifeware. I don't know if you remember Correct. them or not. Mm-mm. Huge, huge investment, big splash. I mean, they had the biggest booth at Cedia probably five years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And then one day, both Microsoft and HP woke up and went, oh, yeah, that's not working for us. And it evaporated, <laughs> literally. Um, and so... You know, a large company, you know, sucking up the smaller companies, uh, you know, the, the, the problem with that is when they stop being autonomous and, and driven by the founders, uh, you know, really at that point, the accountants are going to determine whether it's going to be part of the profit center in, in, in the, uh, you know, the investors are going to like. I mean, at that point, when you're assimilated in a public company, that's really what, what, what it's going to boil down to. It's not necessarily the technology. It's going to be about you know the, the, the share price. And see, that's where I kind of think that where my brain works is that I see that, at least my logic goes, they've bought a, you know, they, they, they've, they've, they've kind of gotten into AV with, with, um, with the telepresence. Um, and Kevin, you're right. They, they do have you guys, especially at their booths, running, running, um, their their telepresence, but you know they see this as well. It's another aspect of what we do, and since control is kind of going over IP anyway, this is where my you know where where my my logic is leading me. It's an interesting you know partnership. It could lead into an acquisition because it would it would be something profitable and it would be movement, which is you know what Wall Street goes after anyway. You know some kind sure. of growth. So. Yeah, it's viewed as a marketing or a business opportunity. I mean, we can go back, what, three or four years when uh, the big news, even for Crestron, was the fact that uh, Cisco went and had response to, I'll just say there was four or five companies involved, to provide control interface through their uh, their IP telephony system uh, using XML to control the actual room. and. Yeah. Uh, when we sent everybody, when Crestron sent everybody packing and going home, because we were the only ones that could do it, you know, Cisco realized, hey, this is an opportunity uh, to create this partnership, which is what we did. Uh, but now, you know, things changed, and they're saying, hey, this is an opportunity to acquire some business from a, a private sector or from the the home market, because these people are doing this kind of thing uh, as well. Yeah. And that's where, let's say, Control Four is going to fit in with them. Is there attacking or going after a market segment? All right. You're listening to AV Week. With us is Kevin Iselli. That was him. Uh, he's from Crestron and also Rich Fergoza from FergozaDesigns.com. Uh, this week, Gary Kay wrote a, uh, a piece on his uh, his Rave Pubs blog 
about Phillips and them getting out of the TV industry, of the TV business. Uh, in brief, uh, basically, uh, Gary uh, cites the fact that they're losing, they're, they've cut 4,000 jobs, or they're going to, they're going to cut 4,000 jobs before the end of 2012. Um, they're also doing a bunch of other stuff. Here's the bottom line for me, and, and actually kind of for Gary too. Would you buy a Philips TV? Rich? Uh, no, I'd buy a Philips light bulb. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know that the uh, the ultrasound machine was a Philips unit that we used. It was awesome. Uh, but in terms of TVs, I, no. I, and again, I mean, they're, they're, they're a Dutch company. I think, you know, does it affect the European market? Maybe. Uh, you know, I don't do a lot of uh, European work, but... I do know that, you know, I mean, they are have a bigger presence there than they have in the continental U.S. But when you've got an 85 percent drop in your net profits in a quarter, yeah. you got to start cutting costs fast, um, you know, at that point. And, and it seems like, you know, again, with with the other divisions that they have, you know, again, from an accounting standpoint, they went, oh, TVs aren't really working for us. Let's go ahead and sell it. And they're even having a hard time selling it. Uh, you know, they're still shopping for a buyer for it. Well, and they, they may just cut it all together. I mean, just mm-hmm. just get out of it all together. My main thing is is you, you take this and you and compare it to, let's say, the auto industry. Right now, I don't know that I would buy, I, not that you could find one, but a couple of years ago when, when, when GM was cutting, you know, every single line that they had, I wouldn't have bought a Plymouth or a Pontiac or a Saturn simply because I don't know that the support infrastructure was there. So, you know, that and coupled with, I think Rich even mentioned this earlier, that, you know, Panasonic or or Pioneer, which one, is getting out of the plasma business. It's a great display, but why would I buy one right now and have the fear of my client not having support in a year or two years or five years when that thing might have start having issues? Well, and that's that's you know constantly the issue of being on the, on the bleeding edge of technology where we are. I mean, we're on the front lines of it. Uh, you know, those are the decisions you do have to make uh, because these are you know five plus year investments, and you know everybody else is trying to focus on a one year, two year cycle where they're rotating stuff. You you know displays are a significant investment, whether you know it's through the the ESCI or whether they're getting it from a big box retailer. It's still a significant investment of the client's budget. You uh, have so bought into that whole ESCI thing, haven't you? Ah, uh, you know I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I still see uh, a big furry like mascot every time you say ESCI. <laughs> No offense to my studio folks, but that's just what I see. So, uh, Kevin, I'm a good soldier in that. Respect, you are an so awesome I'll, soldier. We'll see how it You're an awesome out. soldier. Based on this ridicule, though, I may just you it's know, just me name redacted it's before I say me. it. <laughs> um, Kevin, if you if you're putting in a new system, what? How far out do you like? Let's say you, you're you're redoing your house. How far out do you do? Like, do you do you plan on, you know, when you're selling your wife on putting in a brand new system, do you tell her, oh, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm only going to replace it in 10 years or is it in five years? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, see, I, I'm in a very unique situation in, in my household because I, I was granted uh, to be in charge of all electronics. Um, As it that. should be. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Right? <laughs> I said uh, that. <laughs> but... Um, how, it's hard to to kind of forecast out. Like, um, it's funny that you actually brought that up because I recently replaced a monitor in um, our our master bedroom, and I I was torn between what I wanted to do and what was out there. And of course, you know, being being a good spouse, I uh, associate I, I collaborated with the wife, right? Because <laughs> you have to make sure it's wife friendly. Oh yeah, and. Um, I'm going to pick on my wife, and, and if she ever hears this, I'll just say, "Honey, I love you." Right? But it was <laughs> just you know, the, funny, the funny thing about wife friendly. Does that basically, you know, by extension, say you just have bad taste as a no, man? no, 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 I, no, no? You know, it's like I always hear wife acceptability. That's like by basically that you know, you're saying you have no taste. Let somebody else no, taste. That, that means that we, the nerds of the world, would be more happy with a display that's a 
you know, not a quarter of an inch thick that looks tremendously well and sounds fantastic other than I want the thin one as an <laughs> example. Yeah. Um, and it, that actually was the, was the case. Uh, I'm not going to say the manufacturer, but I went and got a monitor uh, and it had to be the thin one, um, you know, set it up. Uh, ran all of the you know the appropriate uh, calibration tools and made the display just look absolutely stellar and uh, of course I called her in to take a look at it and she looked at the screen and goes wow that sounds terrible really uh, so absolutely well I mean you're talking about an LED TV the thing is like you know half an inch thick where are you going to put yeah. sizable drivers in it to make audio sound good no, that's true. which is you know the whole spin-off market of the sound bar right yes. so uh, i'm going, I'm going up, to go for the intracranial transplant the bluetooth intracranial transplant yeah there you that's, go that's the driving go. market that way it uses your own in some case well no some people would have a little bit more bass than others but anyways <laughs> um, you know you're now looking at how do you how do you make adjustments for what the future holds so uh you know Tim knows that I travel a lot, and uh, I basically used a whole bunch of free Marriott points to get a free monitor, because my goal for the future is I'm waiting for deep color displays. I'm looking for OLED. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to replace something now that I know within the next, you know, two to three years, we're going to see another amazing uh, display technology emerge. I've even heard rumors from some manufacturers that the CES, they're going to see a 50 plus inch OLED and, and you know yeah but it'll be a million dollars no not necessarily I mean we already have from Sony Broadcast they already have a 25 inch just a drop dead gorgeous display of an OLED now I did say broadcast so mm -hmm. yes it's $26,000 yeah. but you know, with everything, you're seeing there's more like Samsung with their AM LEDs for all of their phones. They've got some prototypes for transparent screen laptops using AM LED technology. Um, I like the CES market because it helps drive down the, well, you know, it's consumers. It helps yeah. drive down the cost because, you know, what happens when a consumer goes up there and they see a transparent screen that they can watch video on? How do I get me one of them? Uh -huh. You know, and they, they start buying this stuff, uh, which is great. Uh, but again, the, the, you know, manufacturers that I've talked to, they're talking about, yeah, absolutely running with this technology. I mean, we, we Tim, you and I, and, and even George had the conversation of how much we love 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Now take OLED and its ability to render deep color and actually get, you know, everybody's buzzwords. Oh, I can do 16.7 million colors. Yeah, let's move that up to 64 billion colors. And now you can see the the differential and the gradients are much, much higher. And your video quality just goes stellar. Right. That's going to be the one that everybody goes, I got to have that. Well, let, let me ask a, 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 a broader question. I'm not a great video guy, so this is a, a, a kind of a, a just a simplistic. Is video and, and the video world and displays, is this kind of like Moore's Law where every 18 months we're going to double the capacity or double the deepness or double the wowness in displays? No. Or, or is OLED it? That's it? No more? No. It's, it's no, remember what they think. The factories. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> I was saying it's, uh, you know, I mean, what, what drove down the cost – um, you know, for conventional displays was, you know, they retooled their factories at that point. You know, so the original 42-inch television was a $15,000 set. It was as big as you can make the glass. That was that was the apex of, of the technology curve. We can only make it this big without defects. Yeah. You know, case in point, once they developed the 103-inch plasma, 42-inch TV prices plummeted. Why? Because you could make six TVs out of that screen. Right. And, and, you know, and your overall production costs dropped and your failure rates dropped and everything else. So what is going to happen, and we always see it with in terms of, a, you know, those paradigm shifts in technology. And I, I, I'm absolutely with Kevin is that, you know, OLED will be that next big jump. It, it, it is that jump from when we went to HD. That yeah. we saw. And, and it is that much of an impact when you see an OLED screen, OLED screen displaying video and you're looking at it next to even, you know, uh, a nice high quality uh, LCD you know, display, and it's like looking at 
you know, you remember back 10 years ago when they first started showing HD TVs. Yeah. It's the same impact visually as looking at HD to SD as now OLED to all of our other technologies. There's a video you, you, sh- you shot me once, and I, I can't remember the word. It was, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, where it's, on it's, YouTube. it's It's, it's sh- shooting a, a basic camera. It's shooting an OLED and a, 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 a another display the same exact content, and it's staggering how yep. incredible that OLED, OLED is. Yeah, and, and you got to remember, OLED has been around since the 80s. I mean, literally that really fancy ultra-blue uh, faceplate that you had on your Pioneer radio in the car, right? That was mm-hmm. using OLED technology. This isn't really new stuff. This is just stuff that they've been able to develop for a different market. And even Sony went as far as to also at uh, Best Buy and some of the other you know stores show a 13-inch OLED TV that, again, was just amazing to look at. And the, the bezel, the frame was, gosh, no thicker than eight to ten sheets of paper, yeah. right? They had to put a substrate on this thing to keep it from falling apart. <laughs> but the problem is, again, we as consumers, you see this TV, and it's $2,500. It's 13-inch diagonal. It looks great. But it's 13 but, inches. But it's 13 inches, and I can see that 50-inch uh, Mitsubishi I, I can get, for I can get me some big TV. Yeah, yeah I can get me some yeah. big TV for less money. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah, we're, we're always, you know, bigger is better. It's, it's America, right? The, bigger is better. The, 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 super, the supersized plasma. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of exciting, though, to, that I – and I honestly, I'm the guy sitting here going, I hope it's true – that come CES, we're going to see larger formats of OLED. I mean, that's the technology I'm waiting for. You know, hopefully it'll be what 3D wasn't. <laughs> Thank goodness. Well, here's here's the other thing, though. Now I'm starting to, you know, as much as Tim knows, I'm a, a, a very strong proponent of 3D. Um, <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Here, now if we take those two technologies, and whether you're using frame packing or any of the other four different types of 3D capability, and now you put it on a display that has incredible rendering capability. Is 3D going to get better? I guess it probably will. It might even be worth taking a look at, right? But I doubt it. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's and, and gosh, oh Tim, you were Nancy uh, Cedia. No, it's kind of funny, uh, and I'll, I'm going to pick. Uh, it's not picking on directly manufacturers, but you know, one of the buzz things that they had at Cedia this year is you can now buy glasses that convert your 3D to 2D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a product segment for this, apparently. We have to convert 3D. <laughs> sure thing. Oh, I, I, I had a better uh, method of doing that is buy, buy a <laughs> 3D display. <laughs> you're all set. They're called my, eye, they're called my eyes. They're called my eyeballs, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my... Mine were OEM provided. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mom and dad. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. I mean, it, there's always something to to you know change in the future. Um, but it, as far as homes, is it a Moore's law thing? I think even even Mr. Moore came out uh, and said that it was misinterpreted, and that Moore's law is not 100 percent accurate. He is yeah. accurate on the fact that the technology is changing every 18 months. The, the problem with a, a, a number of aspects of that Moore's Law rule, if you will, is that we build short-sighted devices. We build technology that is made to only last 18 months, with the exception of Crestron, of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we buy things even today that, you know, the, and uh, I'm not picking on Apple. You guys can understand. Never take me serious. You know, we buy an iPhone 3. Uh, now, see, now we got to have the 3G. Oh no! See now we gotta have the four, uh, but wait, wait! Now we gotta have the four G. Now we gotta have the four G S. It, it's that cyclic. It's you gotta. It's a. It's a big lighter. It's a yeah. big lighter for technology. That's why I'm actually with Richard. I like more of the software-based examples of saying, "Look, I can update the software. Fine. I haven't changed my infrastructure. I haven't changed my platform. I haven't changed, let's say, the investment portion, the stuff that makes it work. All I'm doing is throwing a different software in front of it." Well, and, and as, a, as a business, you know, the software model, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a profit center. 
You know, I mean, when you are selling a hardware device, you still have to pay for whatever your cost of that device is in terms of the overall budget investment. You know, again, sure. this, you know, the reason for this podcast is, you know, obviously to talk to AV professionals. So these are people who are either working for companies or own these companies. And again, you know, the, the focus is how can you not only survive, but thrive in the future? And that means looking at all of your options available. And I'm with Kevin on it exactly, is that if you invest in the right infrastructure, you know, whether it's Crestron or any other control company, you know, the network itself, whether you're using Access Networks or Hiji or Claire or any of these people, you know, bringing it back into your fold and your control and, and your client and yeah. cr in maintaining that trust factor as the company, the, the people who take care of me. And, you know, with the software model, again, like you said, they're, they're the big lighter, they're disposable. The best thing about it is that, you know, they can go out and invest that money in whatever new toy that they want, that doesn't get put towards your budget. You know, I mean, even just psychologically, it's not money that they're having to pay you. So if they decide to spend an extra $300, it doesn't affect your process with them. You know, you're still selling your software model, your service contract, or, you know, whatever you've got. And those are whole dollars for you, for your company, as opposed to, I bought X amount of sets, yeah, you know, out of my $15,000 budget, we just ate up a third of it in stuff that I made no money on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the margins are so small. So Exactly. You know, and so whenever you're in a, a service, you know, whenever you're a service solution, um, you know, you can invest on your intellectual capital, you know, as opposed to the physical hardware. And, you know, I mean, that's it's, it's all about, you know, maintaining your business and, and growing. And, you know, you know, I just don't want any of you guys to be the last of the coal salesmen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's kind of funny. I, I, I don't really see much of a change. I'm just taking it from Crestron's point of view. I, and I, I'm not the for, foremost uh, expert on as far as what we do for software. But, you know, and, and Tim can back me on this. We don't charge much for room view. I mean. It, well, up to, up to a certain amount, you don't charge anything. Well, right. Up to a certain amount, we don't charge anything. But that, even when you get the product, we don't charge you for, uh, you know, service enhancements or revisions of the software. And and let's take let's just for a moment take a look at Crestron Software Suite. All of our development tools. If you're an integrator, or even a partner, or an we don't charge you at all. Yeah, they're free, right? So obviously, we're we're sur we're trying to scrape by on our hardware sales, not uh, not so much on the. Uh, on the software well, side, and I of think there's a difference here. I mean, there, there, and there's there's you guys obviously have a margin. There's a difference between the margins for a pro device like, let's say, a Pro Two or one of your DMs, and a Panasonic display. You know, they they first of all, I can't go to Best Buy and buy a Pro Two. I can go to Best Buy and buy a Panasonic display that either I can I can purchase it or or Rich can sell it to me, sure. and I think that's where where the integrators are are kind of getting squeezed when it comes to the more commoditized things. Projectors are getting like this. Just you know, um, I saw an article the other day where they were selling them for a hundred bucks at Best Buy. Now it wasn't a five thousand lumens one, but it was still a projector that you could throw into your home theater. So, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's again, there's the convenience. There's the, the concept of oh, I saw this. I want a home theater, so I'm going to go to Best Buy. I'm going to get the home theater in a box. I'm going to buy the, you know, sub eight hundred dollar projector. I'm going to set it up, and I'm not going to really think it's awesome. But hey, I can watch TV and everything is is cool and huge. I think I think what what the industry is going to see is a little bit different. Is that uh, and even see Pro did an article and Tim, you know, you and I have talked about this. Is the whole HDMI 1.4 problems of you know uh, pandemic issues of integrators wanting to quit out of the business and yeah. well, the, the challenge is because the world is moving to digital video, whether you like it or not, and it requires a little bit different understanding of how that animal is, let's say, running loose in the household. Uh, most people who do systems don't ever have a problem with it. When you start to do any distribution, that's when they're going to see challenges. Yeah, and I think that's the the let's say going to be the future challenge of the homeowner DIY type of person. They're going to try it and think that they're going to do this distribution and you know I'm going to take this Blu-ray and I'm going to route it to all three, four, five TVs that I have. And when it doesn't work, they're going to call an integrator and say, you know, this stuff doesn't work. You got to fix it, right? So now the integrator is getting slighted. 
or maybe that's or maybe that's the opportunity. Well, and that's no. See, the problem is, is always it's always negative towards the integrator. They their value is never thought of or even you know agreed with on the front end. It's always when I can't get it to work. Now I need an integrator. Where, Which again, you know, goes, that could have been, but that you know, goes back towards, professional. But that goes back to the education side, which is you know you know using the construction analogy, you know, be the person who provides the, the water heater and the plumbing to the house. Let them worry about wh- whether they want a you know a coal a colder fixture or not on the inside. Be the backbone. Focus yeah. on the core products, which is you know the infrastructure, which the, you were just talking about. If they've got the Blu-ray and they want to try to stream it to five different places, okay, well, fine, no problem. Here is our integrated solution where everything comes back to that we manage for you. Right. And then if you want this Blu-ray player or next year the next one comes out that has whatever new video game streaming services, knock yourself out. I've got you taken care of in the mm-hmm. core things that you never should touch in the first place. It, yeah. it should be that part that's as ubiquitous as the light switch. You don't walk up to a standard light switch and wonder if it's going to turn on or not. Yeah. You know, you just don't. And, you know, it, the technology side, like you were just talking about, rather than it being, you know, being a slight and it's like, fix my problem, it, it's the complete flip, which is, you know what? You're not even going to have a problem to begin with because it's already taken care of. If you want to play, go at it. If not... Here's a structured solution for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, along the whole software line, this this is from Engadget, and this is talking about uh, you guys, Kevin. Uh, for a couple of years, you guys have had an iOS uh, software interface. Mm-hmm. So somebody on uh, iPhone or iPad, and I've said this more than once. This makes the iPad the sexiest and least expensive uh, wireless Crestron controller. the The fact that you have that app and the ability to control your your systems through that. Uh, this year, you the, somebody released, actually it was the guy that started um, a Slingbox, released an Android app. Here recently, you guys have, I, I'm not sure how this all this works, but you guys have rolled out your own official Android app. There's a free version and there's a, there's a $100 version. Yes. What is the difference between those two? First of all, that's quite, kind of cool, the fact that you have a free version because I have an Android phone. So. Well, we still we it was basically deployed the same way we had our iOS app. Um, the the concept behind it is there there's a free application that allows you if you want simple simple control. Of course, a control system is is required, but if you want a simple interface to turn things on, and you mean off, I can't just download this app and control everything? No, and you can't you know make it uh, start your car and and you know there's there's always some brains behind it. It's, right? it's always great to see the app store reviews on that. For a hundred dollars, this better do everything, and they forget the part where they said control system required. Right, and the idea though is for a hundred dollars, and you have a control system. Yeah, we'll do anything. Right? <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. It, it, it the the major difference is the amount of memory that you have as far as capabilities of of, of file size or or project size, uh, there's a, a little bit of a distraction of it will. I don't want to get too technical because you know, like if I said to you, Tim, yeah, you can do digitals and serials. Okay. No analog, right? So there is a little bit of a difference. Uh, you do have, let's say, that same uh, infrastructure in the iOS. It's just the moment that you need to now have this thing, you know. You're in Bangladesh and you got an internet connection. And you need to turn off your blender at home. Yeah, that's going to require the processor. It's going to require the, the let's say, uh, if you want feedback on it, you're going to need well, to have the one that gives you uh, the the pay-for version, let's say. You have to have the streaming video fixed camera looking at the blender to get the <laughs> yes. proper feedback. Yeah, absolutely. It window sure. to make sure that it's off. Margaritas right. are done. If yeah. I'm ever in Bangladesh and my blender is on, I'm not going to worry about it. No, because if you ever are in Bangladesh and you have the application, you'll be able to turn the blender off. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. So basically, the pay-for version, and I'm going to simplify this, the paid-for version gives me analog feedback. The free version doesn't. The the free version does not. That's correct. So if I want to see how, how high my volume is or, you know, um, something else. There was another, um, limitation, um... It's a difference between saying if if you have the free version, you'd be able to tell if the light is on versus if the light is on at fifty percent. Okay, gotcha. And and also um, how graphically rich you can make the. Uh, Wasn't there also interface. a page limitation too on the free version on both iOS and Android? 
Uh, not page limitation. I'm aware of it's a memory size. limitation. It's a memory yeah. limitation. Okay. okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, if you want a gigantic picture of you know your kids and the dog and you know your summer trip to Bangladesh, <laughs> <laughs> rotating through, uh, chances are you're not going to be able to fit it on the uh, on the free version. I just don't think people value Bangladesh anymore. I like Bangladesh. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm there, my blender is the least of my worries. Uh, okay, how about your iron? Maybe there we go. That's uh, a little better. Okay. My iron right. is, is yes. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to AV Week. That's Kevin Icelli. The other guy is uh, is Rich Fergoza uh, from Fergoza Designs. Uh, Bixie joins Step. Uh, what it is is, is Bixie um, has joined Infocom and also Comp uh, TIA. I guess in one of them, what I'm reading is is they're becoming a founding member. Of Step Step is the Sustainable Technology Environments Program. It is Infocom's and, and CompTIA's, and I guess Bixie's by by uh, extension, their version of lead, their version of getting lead points and getting credit for the AV industry. Uh, my question is, is, is Rich? We'll start with you. Is this a good thing for Step, and or does it does it hurt it? Um, you know, I mean, Step's got 23,000 members, you know, and they started out from the telecommunications industry. And I think that aligning themselves, because, again, you, you have, the, you know, the, the overused word these days is convergence. But it's, you know, and it was way overused 10 years ago. It's now starting to make sense. You know, we've had numerous discussions about, you know, IT becoming AB, AB becoming IT. And and they are all of these disparate fields, Um you know, are all starting to uh, cross-pollinate with one another. So I think it's a natural evolution for them. Um, you know, whether STEP takes huge traction or not, you know, again, you're, you're taking it from the technology side, which is the people who are already in after the building is made, as opposed to LEED, which is the people who are making the building. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, I can see it being promoted you know, just in terms of having the members and them finding a way to show that they are uh, working in solidarity with the other fields and not an island unto themselves. You know, is it going to uh, hurt them or help them either way? I, I'm kind of neutral on it. You know, I, I think it's nice, um, but I don't see any huge immediate impact. It's not like, uh, you know, the, the, these trades are going to come together and it's immediately going to, you know, take the AV world by storm. Kevin, you guys kind of, and this is my opinion, you guys kind of get screwed, and so do other manufacturers, Lutron and and, and guys who do AV uh, automation, kind of get screwed in the lead world um, because you aren't given credit or, or the people who put you in aren't given credit for what you really do, um, whether that is a, a, a power supply that cycles down when you turn off the AV system and the only thing running is the processor instead of everything in the rack running and creating heat and cre- and, and sucking electricity. So is this is step something that you guys kind of see as a positive thing or is it just another thing like lead? Well, as a as a former architectural engineer for that was my background. Um, of course USGBC and lead is is a you know, a pretty sizable organization and you know the concepts of designing facilities to uh, be more energy conscious um, I think is just in general a good practice uh, now and even the guys that I know from USGBC will say look lead is and the leads organization if you will is not a fully inclusive um, you know end-to-end depiction of what what proper procedures and what practices we should maintain or even due diligence. Uh, it, it applies to the brick and mortar portions of a building. Um, and now, Tim, you know, I've said this, but I've always been trumpeted, okay, what about all of those devices that enrich our lives, such as anything technology, that have not ever been addressed by those uh, industries like USGBC and LEED? Where do those things fall into place? Because, you know, my argument was by lead standards, we need to turn off the lights when we, you know, evacuate a building or evacuate a room. But we don't really 
are we're not really concerned with the fact that I've got a projector in there with a 250 watt ultra high power metal headlight lamp that was using more energy in the first place than all the lighting in the room. That can stay on for 12 hours when nobody's in the room, just as long as you shut off the lights. Yeah. Um, so I think step is actually a really good. Um, it's a really good step in the right direction of saying, huh, no pun intended, uh, as far as we should also look at other ancillary systems that are going on in the buildings, what is going on in the room. Um, I think a lot of our misgivings is that the AV industry has nothing to offer, uh, and that, that is absolutely not correct. Um, AV industry has tremendous amounts of... Uh, foresight into energy savings using appropriate components, using more energy saving components, like even Middle Atlantic with their with their um, you know switchable power supplies or, or switchable plugs plug strips where we could hard code or hard shut down these devices so that the energy usage goes to an absolute minimum. I mean that that's fantastic, um, you know. And then there's also the whole what do you have to offer the the other side, and you know, when you look at Crestron being a control system company and we really don't have any limitations on how we communicate, you know, we can communicate in pretty much any form. We even have a building uh, management system module, if you will. It's a modem that will talk to large format um, building automation systems like Train and Modbus and BACnet and Metasys, all of these other third-party communication systems. So now you could look at Crestron as being the central nervous system for anything that's happening in your facility. So we are talking to the HVAC system. We are talking to the lighting system, or we are the lighting system as we make lighting control. We are talking to the AV system. We can manage and use now that our new term, and you've heard me say this, Tim, is intelligent building technology, not just building automation. Because building automation, not that it's a bad term, states that you have a schedule, and every day at midnight you turn off the lights, and every yeah. day at midnight you turn off the lights, and every day at midnight. Well, <laughs> intelligent building says, okay, let's look at the parameters of what's happening in the facility. Let's look at my occupancy sensors. Let's look at my uh, look at my usage and make intelligent decisions on, does it make sense to have those lights turn off at 12 o'clock, or should we turn them off three hours earlier when really nobody's in the room? It has been for the longest time, and even in the whole time that I was in in the engineering realm, it has been a very adversarial market, right? Where the, the, the mechanical guys don't talk to the electrical guys, who don't talk to the architects, who don't talk to the interiors people, who don't... It, it, it's got to... You, you have to, let's say, all sit at the same table and, and have a cappuccino together and say, how can we make things better? Yeah. And that's just really not happening yet. And I think with STEP getting involved... Maybe now we can have a, a little bit of a flag to wave to say, look, this AV technology can also be energy conscious. And, and Rich is right. These are the guys that are on the site after the building's done. I, my plea to all of, let's say, our integrator is, is get in touch with the contractor, get in touch with the, you know, the architect, and show them what you have to offer up front. Right. Well, and that's I, and I agree. Systems. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. That is the leveraging part of STEP, which is as an advocacy group. And, and that's really the whole point is a single unified voice. And like you were just saying, you know, mechanical is mechanical. <laughs> you know that architectural is architectural. Technology, you know, it's such this chasm of different things that it could be that getting three specific fields, AV, telecommunications and IT, to have a single voice, um, you know, th that's what I'm hoping for. Like I said, I'm still neutral because they're basically saying we're going to try it. They're, they, you know, it's it, they just joined. Yeah. So there is, there is no data that we can tap into that has said we have now generated this. These are the quantifiable results that have come from us being organized. You know, and that's what I'm hoping will occur as more and more people join. I mean, again, you, you get 23,000 new people joined in. Um, you know, you're hoping that that's going to at least uh, get the ball moving a, a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately, I, I and I do mean unfortunately, I have let my Bixie membership lapse. But I was a Bixie member for you know ten years, and 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 I saw these guys uh, at least for the last four years uh, showing up at Infocom and saying, "Hey, you know, we do this infrastructure thing. We are the you know building industry consulting services international. That's what they that's what they that's what they do. I mean." To have a uh, a relationship with the AV industry totally makes sense, because and I agree with you, Rich. Because 
I was there 10 years ago when the restaurant had the banner, had that banner that said Convergence, right? And we were right. talking Convergence back then. Uh, but I can see that it's a great step in the, in the right direction to have Bixie and, and Step and, and USGBC and everybody else, for that matter, yeah. trying to come to at least a common goal. Well, very cool. All right, uh, guys, we're about out of time. Do you uh, either of you have anything else? Uh, no, I mean this is this is I, I it was great uh, being able to sit in with you and Kevin had some great information. I, I am I am smarter for it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him that he'll th- he'll he'll get a big head. No, no, no. I, I I'll I'll send you a check. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. So uh, make, and as make, Tim, make of it, course, it. I always have to say at this point I have nothing else to say. Thank you. Make make it out to my Esky account, please. Oh jeez. Go. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I'm not an artist. I'm gonna get somebody to draw like a little wolf, in a. Uh, or I'm gonna buy maybe a, a, a mascot outfit or it'll something. It'll be a it'll be a liger. A liger. A liger. <laughs> nice. All right, that's Rich Fragosa. Let's see if I can't screw this up. His Twitter account, if you'd like to follow him, is R Fragosa. If you follow R A Fragosa, it's not my fault anymore. R. Fragosa, um, and uh, his website is fragosadesigns.com. Thank you very much, sir, uh, for, for coming by today. And uh, also, Kevin Iselli, he doesn't have one, uh, a Twitter account, but you can find him at Crestron. He's out of the Midwest. He is the senior curriculum developer for Crestron. That means he knows everything there is to know about DM. Oh, stop. <laughs> or at least how to show you how to... Uh, do DM. Um, as we mentioned earlier, if you would like uh, to check out a virtual trade show, uh, Julie Jacobson and the, the people over at CE Pro is going to have one on Thursday, October 27th uh, from 10 to 5. You go to ceprolive.com, ceprolive.com. My name is Tim Albright. Uh, thank you much for, for joining us. If you'd like, uh, please go by the website. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know how to improve it. Give us your two cents. That is avnation.tv, avnation.tv. That's all the time we have for AV Week. Oh, my God.